Hi, everybody. Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, August 5th, 2020, and I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, reminding you that today's episode is brought to you by the fact that I've recorded this intro seven times before I feel like I got it just right. I'm also on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB, and I'm a contributor to AthlonSports.com. In today's episode, we're going to continue our conversation with Tim Brando from Fox Sports. So if you missed the first part of our interview, go back to Monday's episode and get all caught up. We're going to move forward a little bit in the conversation later in this episode. We're also going to touch base on what the latest scheduling news is around college football. We did have an announcement from the Big 12 come out Monday night. Unfortunately, as of the time of this recording, we're still kind of waiting to see what the Big Ten is going to do. But I've got a couple thoughts on that that I share with you on the live Instagram feed that we did while recording Monday's episode. So if you weren't watching live on Instagram, I'm going to rehash some of the thoughts that I came up with that didn't quite make it into a podcast just yet. So lots of stuff to get into in today's episode. We're going to have some fun. And I want to make sure you are staying subscribed and reading and reviewing this podcast on whatever app you may be listening to us on. And we do genuinely appreciate any feedback you guys want to share with us. And we also hope that you stay connected with us as well by following us on all the social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch by using the username LockedOnNittany. So with all that out of the way, guys, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. As we said on Monday, the Big Ten was the first power conference to come out and announce that they were going to go to a scheduling model that consisted of just conference play, eliminating all non-conference matchups on the schedule, obviously throwing a couple curveballs around the country. And since we have seen the Big Ten's announcement that they were going to conference-only play, we have seen every other power conference come out and sort of follow suit. Not necessarily follow exactly in the Big Ten's footsteps, but... Conference play has become the bulk majority focus of these power conferences. The ACC came out and they put together a 10-game schedule for conference play, including Notre Dame as a full conference member, and allowing one additional game in non-conference play. The SEC came out and they're going to a 10-game conference-only scheduling model. The Pac-12 is also going to a 10-game Pac-12-only conference scheduling model. No non-conference games in the Pac-12 or the SEC. On Monday night, the Big 12 came out and they announced that they were moving ahead with a nine-game conference schedule, which is what they have already been accustomed to using as a 10-member league. So they are sticking with their nine conference games, but they are also allowing schools to add one extra non-conference game as long as they can fit that bill. Now, a couple of Big 12 teams have filled some scheduling vacancies on their schedules as they've been adjusted, and they are still moving ahead with those extra non-conference games. I think Oklahoma and Kansas each have a non-conference opponent that they were managing to uh, put together for week zero. Now, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the SEC, they're all pushing back the start of their college football seasons, uh, even if they are having a shorter season. So a lot of them are starting later. Um, also, the same thing with the, the ACC. Actually, the Big 12, uh, I should correct myself, they still have some of those early games. But uh, b- bottom line is 
we don't know what the Big Ten is doing just yet. And that was the thing we sort of talked about on Monday. I was hoping that we were going to have some more updates on just exactly what the Big Ten is going to do. And who knows, maybe by the time you're hearing this, maybe things have changed. Uh, that's the peril of recording a podcast the afternoon before you're scheduling it to post. But that's just one of the things that uh, we're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with the Big Ten. Now, as I was recording a segment for Monday's podcast and hopping on Instagram live to do that. And if you're not following us on Instagram, you might want to do that because we may record some segments of the podcast live on Instagram uh, at any time. And you're always welcome to add to the conversation in real time. But one of the things I got to thinking about is, you know, what is this extra, you know, what is this uh, big 10 revised schedule going to mean specifically for Penn state? Now, as we know, the Big Ten typically goes with a nine-game conference schedule. You're going to get five road games and four home games in one year. You're going to get five home games and four road games in alternating years. kind of goes back and forth. This is one of those years where Penn State has five home games. So they are expected to get an extra game played on the road to kind of balance things out. I imagine that that's probably what the Big Ten is going to do and even up their home and a road uh, matchups and I guess pairing up uh, what school is going to play what school that's still the big question to keep in mind so as I was talking about this uh, off the mic well not recording at the same time for the podcast I was thinking well it really matters what team Penn State is going to get paired with for that extra game and keep in mind that, that this is a very likely situation where Penn State is going to have to go on the road due to the already having five conference games. If the Big Ten keeps the current conference schedule largely intact, which I think that they would do. I don't necessarily know that for sure. They may just decide to wipe the slate clean and dole out a brand new schedule for everybody around the Big Ten. But that's just one of those mystery unknowns. There's been some speculation that at one point the Big Ten was going to load up division games earlier on in the schedule. Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune has uh, reported that that's not necessarily the case. I still wonder if maybe the Big Ten would follow what the ACC is doing and scrap divisions entirely. We don't know. Anything is on the table right now as far as Big Ten scheduling is concerned. I did make note that if Penn State is going to draw Minnesota as their their extra conference game tacked onto a largely already existent Big Ten conference schedule, it would be pretty weird because Penn State just made a trip out to Minnesota last season. Of course, lost that game. Uh, and interesting to note, Minnesota is going to be without Rashad Bateman, uh, who has decided to opt out for the upcoming season. So one of the Big Ten's best wide receivers is not going to play this season of Big Ten football. That's a big loss for Minnesota. Maybe we can talk about that another time. But if Penn State were to go on the road for that extra game against a big team from the Big Ten West, I don't think it would be Minnesota just because they were out there last year. It's two trips to Minnesota in a row, back-to-back -back seasons. I'm going to guess that the Big Ten would probably avoid that kind of situation wherever possible. You may not be able to make everybody happy with this extra game on, in a 10-game conference model. And I don't know if it's been officially been announced that the Big Ten is going to play 10 non-conference games. I think a lot of people are just expecting that that is going to be the case. So as we're recording this and still waiting to see what's going to happen with the Big Ten, Rutgers is dealing with a little bit of a breakout of the coronavirus. Northwestern has shut down their practices entirely. We don't even know if this schedule is going to be panned out, but we still want to know what it is. So we're still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. 
when it does come out, we will take a look at it and see what Penn State schedule will look like. Until then, keep it plugged here. We'll try to keep it up to date as possible on all things as far as Penn State schedule is concerned. And don't forget to check out that Locked On Big Ten podcast. I hear they had a great guest for today's episode. You may want to go check that one out. As I said in the intro, I am thrilled to be able to share with you guys a multi-episode interview with Tim Brando from FoxSports.com. I highly recommend that you go back to Monday's episode and listen to Tim talk to me about his story, getting into the sports broadcasting career, and making all the stops that he has made over the course of his career. It's a really fun look back at his journey, and as he's teased in the uh, in the interview, he's probably going to be writing a book about this someday. And I was thrilled to be able to have him on. And as I said before. He gave me more, far more time than I was expecting. He gave me about 90 minutes of interview time. And obviously that meant that I was going to have to break this up into a few episodes for you. So what you're going to hear from here on out throughout the rest of this episode is picking up right where we left off from Monday's episode. So go again, go back to Monday's episode, listen to the first portion of, this, of the interview. And now we're going to continue that conversation moving forward. Hopefully you enjoy and I'll be back to talk to you guys a little bit later. Uh, considering how well-traveled you are in this industry and all the experiences you have had, is there any one item that's like at the top of your bucket list of uh, broadcasting, announcing, anything you would really like to do before you end up calling this a uh, career? Is there anything that's just sitting out there that you would just love to raise your hand and say, I'll be there for that <laughs> if the opportunity came arising? Well, you know, I, I honestly, uh, when we still had the golf, I really wanted to be more involved in that because I love to play. And mm-hmm. if you follow me, you know I love golf. Yep. Um, but you know, the U S open has now gone back over to NBC. So I thought, you know, that's, that's just not in the cards, you know, all those years that I was at, um, ESPN, we did a thing called the, uh, U S Olympic festival. It was called, uh, America's Olympics. The years that we didn't have Olympics, the USOC did something called the United States Olympic festival. And it took sports from the winter games and the summer games. And they would put them on ESPN for two weeks. That's where I got, you know, the manifestation of my resume for doing 26 different sports. It (laughs) came from really that event. Uh, Never having done an Olympics is something that's kind of missing. But it's not something I have to do at all. I mean, I've had a wonderful career. Um, But if you were to say to me, what, Tim, have you not done that you always thought you probably would do, that would probably be it. That's uh, a good one. And I don't know that I don't know that it'll happen. If it does happen, great. Uh, but I don't know, particularly given uh, where Fox is and the direction they're going with with rights. And NBC's got that thing pretty much sewn up. Mm-hmm. So it'll probably never happen for me. But uh, in terms of just of events, things that I always sort of attached myself to, that was it. And, and to some extent, the Olympics isn't what it used to be. Uh, at least for me, you know, as a kid growing up, uh, when it was amateurs playing, Mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, I never got into the dream team. I'll be honest with you. I never, (laughs) I never got into that. And I covered when I was at Turner, I covered the dream team in the world championships in Toronto. I got to do that. Uh, the 94 team, not the 92 team, but the 94 team. And it was a huge event. And we, they were playing at the, uh, the dome there in, in Toronto and, I just, 
it was it, it wasn't like watching the collegians going up against the best teams of Greece or the best teams of Spain. It, it just there was that element of can our college kids do it, you know, right. that's gone for at least for guys of my generation. So I, I know there's a great deal of pride by many in our world about the dream team, and understandably so. Don't get me wrong, but for me, it just wasn't quite the same. So. No, I, I think that, uh, you know, given all the great things, uh, great events I've been able to cover, I, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing uh, for as long as I can possibly do it. And I still believe, I tell this to people all the time, my best days and my best games of broadcasting are ahead of me, in my opinion. I think uh, uh, for a lot of years I was in a studio not getting to do football regularly I did some, but not every week. And now I'm getting to do it every week. So uh, I still believe my best is yet to come. And that's that's something that's nice to be able to say when you're 64. <laughs> there you go. I will say uh, when you do get to the stage where you're looking for people to review your book that you're in the process of writing, let me know because I would love yeah. to get a chance to go back and, <laughs> and read through it. Uh, one last yeah. question about media and the industry. Uh, like I said earlier, you're not afraid to be critical of colleagues or just uh, something that's going on in the industry that you may not uh, be a fan of. If there's one thing you could change about the sports media landscape today, what would it be? I think we need to be happier for one another. Uh, I'm, um, I'm a big believer in promoting uh, my colleagues. I think um, I appreciate the great work done by guys that are in my profession. Uh, and being able to say that publicly should not be deemed as cheesy or, uh, oh, I'll just tell you right now, I saw something today on Twitter, and it wasn't to be critical of Colin, but uh, I guess at some point today on his show, uh, Colin Coward and, and, and Joy were talking about uh, complimenting someone on Twitter that's in our business. And... Uh, he admitted, I guess he was, the, the tweet was to Jenny Taft. And um, he said, you know, I don't like to, to compliment on Twitter because it's, it's deemed as cheesy or, hey, look at me, I'm a nice guy. I'm saying something nice about somebody else. Well, you know, that just shows you, I think, the difference between generations, okay? Colin's got to be 10 years younger than me, something like that, mid-50s, I, I suspect, or early 50s. Uh, 10 to 12 years younger than me. Um, but there is a big difference in that generation between uh, Gen X or Gen Y and Baby Boomer. All right. Uh, and I think if you say something nice about someone, I'm, I'm not thinking about, oh, this is making me look good by saying something nice. I'm just saying something nice. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, it's like if you say something, uh, go on go on Twitter today and write something nice about a colleague and then see the reaction you get from others. It's almost always 70 to 80% 70 to negative. Like, you know, why are you blah, blah, blah. So that's just the, we live in such a cynical world. Uh, and I'm not saying that Colin's not accurate. Hell, I may have probably looked pretentious to a lot of my followers when I complimented someone on their work. Um, but I have constantly 
you know, mentored others, younger broadcasters coming up. Uh, I think it's like what Kurt Gowdy did for me, and it was a lot. Kurt Gowdy was my hero. Kurt Gowdy gave me his time at the 82 Final Four. He gave me pearls of wisdom that I, I was able to use to really further my career. And so much of what he told me came true. We had about a three-hour breakfast uh, the day of the semifinals in the 1982 Final Four. He had been a guest on my radio show in New Orleans on that Friday night before the Saturday semifinals. He had no idea I'd named my little brother after him. My little brother's name, who recently passed away, passed away this past February, uh, as a journalist in Hong Kong, Kurt Brando, and he was named after Gowdy. So, um, but, but, but I was, I got so much from him. So when younger people in our business reach out to me, I'm always going to be there and give them, you know, send me your tape. I'll look at it. I'll critique it. I'll send it back. Uh, tell you what I think you need to work on. I've done it with many uh, young men in the business and some young women too in our business. So uh, when they do well uh, and great opportunities come their way, uh, I'm genuinely happy for them. I think that's a sign of strength, not weakness. I think it's a sign of, uh, of, uh, of thoughtfulness, not cheesiness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's the world we live in, Kevin. You know, And so uh, I wasn't part of the conversation, but when I saw it, I had to react to it. I saw what Colin wrote, and I said, well, geez, I, I hope I'm not an old creep for saying something nice about Jenny because Jenny, Jenny's – she got her start on the sidelines uh, on a game that Joel Clatt and I did in 2014. She had never done it, never worked on the sidelines before. And uh, when the game was over, we talked about how she did it, what she needed to, you know, how she could be better, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, and I've done that with countless young people in the business that I've never actually worked with, but they reached out and we spoke. So I, I think that, uh, being genuinely happy for one another uh, in the business. Like there are a lot of guys that are my peers, people that are about my age or not quite, that I have the utmost respect for. Uh, Sean McDonough is one of them. I think he's, you're looking at the blueprint for how to call a ball game, no matter the sport. I mean, an absolute blueprint for the way, the fundamentals of doing the job. I don't think there's anyone better than he's Sean. He's great. He's great. And, uh, and we've had this conversation and, you know, he'll come back and tell me, uh, you know, privately what he, he always, he was doing Ivy league football games for ESPN as a kid younger than me when I was hosting uh, game day in 1987, he was working Ivy league games <laughs> and uh, was thrilled to be doing it. So we've literally been on this path, this journey simultaneously. Uh, he's actually had, you would have to say, bigger gigs. He's done World Series games. He's done uh, Monday Night Football. He's done uh, more high-level college football play-by-play games than I have. But we started essentially at the same time. And we have, and there's some things that I do that I can do in the studio that, that Sean would have never attempted to do. Um, but I just have great respect for what he does in the booth. So saying that about someone or being willing to admit that this guy is, you know, really, really good, that should not be deemed um, 
as any from a cynical point of view as anything other than hey good for him uh you know the fact that there are a lot of other people that do this job well we should celebrate that we should be happy for them somebody gets a great break uh and gets to come to work with us um adam amin is a great example a young guy that i met 10 years ago doing division two games uh i was getting ready to do the, the division two national championship and adam was doing the quarterfinals and the semifinals with dan bonner and i listened to his tape as i was preparing to do my game and we we talked in uh, springfield massachusetts uh over dinner and and talked about his career path and what he might do things he needed to think about and and the next year he's on espn and he's putting together this great run of his and now he's joining us at Fox. I couldn't be, I couldn't be more thrilled that Adam is, is joining us at Fox and uh, he's going to be doing some great NFL games for us. Just did baseball right. uh, this past weekend. So no matter who it is, I, I think the thing that we need, what I want to see more of is uh, people in our profession need to be more collegial with one another as opposed to more competitive. It's a competitive enough industry already. Yeah. Uh, let's be happy for one another, not try to undermine or undercut one another. I think a lot of times, especially in a business that is as competitive as ours, it's easy to get caught up on what this person's doing that I'm not doing. That can become a real issue. That can get under your skin and become a cancer to your career. And I tell young people this all the time, be happy for what you have and always have a plan for where you want to go. Not going to get where you want to go if you don't know where you are and where you've been to get where you are. When you get caught up in worrying about what this or that guy is doing um, as opposed to what you're doing, that's when you're lost. You need to be concentrating on what's in front of you. And uh, having good relationships with people in our business uh, is something that can pay dividends. There have been, I mentioned earlier, uh, when I was leaving CBS and it happened abruptly, uh, the way I treated people, hopefully, in those years had something to do with Fox wanting to hire me. Uh, if you have good relationships with your uh, coworkers, uh, that's going to help you. Um, all, all due respect, uh, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're a jerk, okay, on the way up, all right, <laughs> um, that, um, that parachute coming down may not open. <laughs> you know, I mean, it may not open if you're a right. jerk on the way up. That parachute just may stick and not open up. So uh, I think our business is small is my point, Kevin. It's a small business. And inevitably, uh, whether it's producers, directors, or other broadcasters, um, you may have worked with someone someplace, and then you're going to work with them again at another place. Right. Uh, and so I, I know that there were a lot of guys that were uh, in my corner when Fox was considering me coming to work for them. And all those people that were in my corner, I know who they are, and I'm forever thankful to them. So. Yeah, I, I think we just need more people to be uh, forthright and good to other people in our business. Be, be happy for one another as opposed to being critical of one another. 
Now that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be, and you've seen it, no doubt, critical of some of what I see on TV, some of what I'm not seeing in terms of content. Uh, I've got definite views on, you know, what, what we could be doing better in sports television. That's not a shot at the individual talent broadcasting. That's a shot at those that are determining what kind of content we have in sports TV. Yeah, and I think that that's certainly something that stands out. If anyone who follows you on Twitter, that, that's what goes back to saying earlier, but you're not afraid to call it like you see it. And right. you know, as, as somebody who is a, a fan of all the good that sports does offer, I think you want to see more of that uh, being covered in, in yeah. a respectful way. And I think that's what it all comes back to. Right? Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, the, 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 game, the game should be first. Right. Okay, the game, we're there for the game. Let's put the game on the pedestal. Okay, not not all the stuff on the periphery. Um, I think probably that if, if there's one criticism I have of those in our business today, in general terms, it would be that uh, the game is the main girl in town here. Okay, <laughs> we need to concentrate on the game uh, more than we, we, we do. The, the, the stuff around the game, there's a time and place for it. But once the game gets going, let's Let's concentrate on it. Well, what do you say, Tim? We talk a little bit about the game of college football. You've been more than generous with your time talking about the industry, your background, but I do want to get your take on some college football topics. Obviously, as we're recording this right now, the whole world is in a, a weird state right now. It's very unique. Uh, you know, it's kind of unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this. And you know, as, you know, as far as college football is concerned, we're still kind of at a holding pattern. We don't really know exactly what's going to happen with the upcoming season. We do know that you know, certainly the power conferences are trying to make their decisions. We're still kind of waiting to see what some of those conferences are planning on doing. I don't really know, as, as somebody who's a broadcaster of the game, you know, what is your mindset uh, looking forward to whatever this season is going to be? And how do you go about covering what's happening right now? I got to tell you, uh, I got a call. I mentioned earlier people that were helpful to me along the way. Uh, just briefly, uh, I got a call the other day from Gus Johnson, and we were just talking about um, everything that was going on. Um, if if there's only so much room in a broadcast booth for college football, what's more essential, your spotter or your stats person? You know. Mm -hmm because everything is on the table in terms of how we're going to do this. Uh, in baseball, you're seeing guys doing the games remotely. Okay, at Fox over the weekend, Adam was at Big Ten Studios. Joe Buck was in L.A. Uh, no, he was in Denver, where he lives, in a studio doing his, his game. And Joe Davis, uh, another young guy I think the world of, um, a lot like Adam, future. These, those two guys can be number one guys before their careers are done. Joe was doing the game in the studios out in L.A. Uh, so none of them were in the booth. Uh, based on what I'm being told, uh, and everything's on the table, but based on what I'm being told right now, it would appear as though in college football, uh, at least for the games that I'm involved in, I'll likely be at the game. Uh, as will... Uh, Spencer Tillman, my analyst, and, uh, and Coley Harvey, our sideline reporter. But I, I don't know that we'll have uh, all the people in the truck that we normally would have. I think about half of the people that would be in the truck will be in L.A. Um, 
some of the graphics people, graphics coordinators, that kind of thing. Because television trucks, these guys are packed in like sardines, you know, right. and there are three rows of them. Not so, a lot of social distancing going on in the trucks. Yeah, <laughs> so you, you got to practice social distancing and you have to be up to speed with the uh, state and county uh, health departments and what they require. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the booth where you have to have a camera person and you have to have uh, the play-by-play guy and the analyst, uh, what do you do with, you know, you got your talent stats and you got a spotter, a spotter that is important when, when you're calling a game. Yeah, I know who's carrying the ball and I may know who made the tackle, but I don't know who stripped the ball. I don't know who tipped the ball. Uh, you know, they're just things where you really need that extra set of eyes. So to me, and that was what Gus and I were talking about, uh, if you have to make a choice between one or the other, talent stats or spotter, for me, I'm going to go spotter. I want my spotter to be with me. And stats can be done from a remote location, and they can deliver that to me via the Internet, you know, on a big screen. So, you know, we were having that discussion. Gus and I were just talking about it. And, uh, and by the way, Gus had been at CBS with me, and he got to Fox before I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure uh, Gus and, and Bill Raftery and people like that were very much on my side uh, when, when the consideration of Tim Brando uh, coming to Fox was happening. So I'm indebted to all those guys. And uh, that was one of the conversation pieces we were having. And Gus said something that uh, I really resonated with me. And I had not thought of, to be honest with you. Uh, especially for college sports, it's true. Because as you mentioned, there are unique stories. You've got 100 guys counting the walk-ons. What happens? Uh, the, the, the stories surrounding their years and their uh, last two or three weeks, given the COVID environment we're in, are so unique. I mean, you can't inundate people with COVID stories, but there are going to be some, you know. It's unavoidable. That I mean, will, it's, it's going to be out. talked about. Yeah, yeah it's, it's got to be discussed to some extent. Uh, but there's an old adage in our business, uh, uh, the, the minimalist approach for a period of time had been uh, accepted in play-by-play where, you know, the perception would be that the announcer just says, first down, ball at the 25. Johnson to Jackson a gain of seven, and that the analyst would fill everything in. So uh, the sort of Ray Scott led to Pat Summerall style of play-by-play. We call that minimalist's approach. Um, without a crowd, uh, that, that will not work uh, this year. It's not. In fact, uh, and Gus said this, and I really, he's right. Uh, he said this to me. I don't think play-by-play men will ever be as appreciated as they will have to be appreciated this year because without the crowd and without the natural enthusiasm, we like working in a studio. We'll have to, we will have to energize the broadcast. The broadcaster will be responsible for energizing the broadcast. Uh, And yeah, we've got to give room to our analysts and our analyst has got to get plenty of room, but, because you don't have this nonstop crowd noise where you could just lay out and not say anything. If you're laying out and not saying anything and there's nothing to be heard, 
except maybe some fake crowd noise, which, by the way, doesn't bother me. I saw it on the baseball. I thought the Fox baseball over the weekend looked great, sounded great. I was – whoever was handling audio was phenomenal. I thought it was magnificent. You know, I'll admit, I hated the idea. I, I hated the idea when I first heard about it being explored. Yeah, so you you, you now, liked it when you saw it, right? But now that you I've seen it, it I, I'm fine with it. You know, it's the, I actually think I actually comforting. think they'd be wise, Kevin. I think they'd be wise to take that uh, because I know they're not hearing it. Uh, the players aren't hearing. It. We're only hearing it at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they ought to take that noise and, and put it into the stadium, so the players. Uh, don't necessarily have to hear the chirping of the other players in the dugouts. Yeah. You know, let them hear a little fake crowd noise, but feel like they're in the game, you know. Let them hear that kind of stuff. I think it would be good. But anyway, uh, for college football, uh, I think that the thought of hearing some things on the field uh, is all you react to it, natural sound. But but I do I do think the judgment of the broadcaster, uh, is going to be more vital and more important to the success of a of a broadcast this year than in any other year preceding this, because of how unique uh, these events will look. I used to love bringing, you know, one of the great things about a college football game was the color, the pageantry of college football. You know, the Nittany Lion and you know, uh, here, here comes the team out and the place goes wild. Uh, you know, we're not going to have those things uh, at, at most, if not all, of the college games this year. So we're going to have to, A, uh, be more energetic or give the energy to the broadcast, much more so than usual. We are going to have to be substantively on top of our game because uh, – We've got more stories to tell, but we have to have judgment to not go overboard. The judgment that we utilize in telling some of these unique stories will be vital to do it just the right amount, not too much, and uh, fill in those gaps the way they need to be filled in, uh, and yet maintain the game's position as being the main girl. The game is still the big deal. So, all of those judgments and those qualities that go into being a consummate play-by-play orator, I think are going to be more vital this year than they've ever been. Uh, you know, in the, in the era of, of radio moving to TV, those great voices like Gowdy and Jackson and Schenkel and uh, uh, Al Michaels, who even came up later in that period of time, uh, those guys were appreciated for being wordsmiths that were – tremendous at their craft saying just the right thing just the right inflection point I think in recent years maybe because we've had so many more games televised and because a lot of networks are bringing in guys that have been in a studio and they've never done games and now they're being put in a position to call them Um, and and the business becoming more analyst driven because of the technology and the ability to use graphic design to help the analyst tell a story I think in a lot of ways, play-by-play has been diminished. The art form of great play-by-play has been diminished in the last few years. I think this year, because of these circumstances I'm discussing, uh, you'll see greater separation from the ones that are really, really good at it versus those that are just treading water and trying to get it right. Uh, And I think it's because of all the different 
you know, hurdles that we've got to get past because of the pandemic and because of what it's forcing the broadcasters to do to get these telecasts on the air. Because as many adjustments as the schools are having to make, we in broadcasting are having to make adaptations to just as many. Yeah, absolutely. Really it's going to be a very unique year from a broadcasting standpoint. Now, if you can believe it or not, I'm going to cut off the interview right there, but we still have another half hour of content to get into with Tim Brando, and we're going to do that in our next podcast. Finally, we are going to touch base on what Tim thinks about Penn State for the 2020 season. I'm going to tell you right now, he is very high on your Nittany Lions. As you'll see across the industry, there's a lot of high expectations for Penn State. Tim Brando is going to be no exception. So we're going to get into what he thinks about Penn State in our next podcast. So make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcasting app you may be listening to us today on. Hit that subscribe button. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Let us know what you think about this interview. Let us know what you think about the show. And your feedback will definitely help us improve the show moving forward. And it does help with the promotion of our show across those various podcasting apps. We love them all. And we want to make sure you are staying as connected as possible. Best way to stay connected with us is through our social media platforms. So check out Locked On Nittany on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. And of course, I am Kevin McGuire. I'm your host here. And you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin on CFB. Check out the AthlonSports.com uh, content for Big Ten and Penn State coverage. I've got some things that are going up there. And recently, I didn't get a chance to talk about this yet, but I put up a post with the three reasons why Penn State will be in the college football playoff and to accompany that three reasons why they will not be in the college football playoff. We're going to talk a little bit about that next week on the podcast, so make sure you stay tuned, make sure you're subscribed. And again, make sure you go check out Locked On Big Ten today because they've got a pretty cool guest on there. So make sure you go check that out once you're done with this podcast. And with that, I will wish you guys all a great day. Continue to stay strong. Go 1-0 today, and we'll come back and do this all again very soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later.